0: Bikers are a, a pimple on the butt of any city. Bikers think that they own the road, they
1: dodge in front, and they dart, and I feel unsafe. Hi everyone, welcome to the Active Towns Podcast, conversations about creating a culture of activity. My name is John Zimmerman. I'm the founder of the Active Towns Initiative, and I'm honored to serve as your host each week on this podcast journey. Thank you so much for tuning in, it's always wonderful to have you along for the ride. Well, this is it, this is the big one, <laughs> episode number 100, and I'm so stoked and honored to have Clarence Eckerson with Street Films on to celebrate, and celebrate his milestone, of reaching and surpassing 1,000 Street Films. To say that I've been influenced and inspired by his work would be a huge understatement. And he, just like fellow content creator Ryan Van Duzer, has always been so generous with his time and mentorship. I'm so humbled and grateful that he agreed to join me for this special episode. So, enough with me gushing, let's just get on with it. I am so incredibly excited to have Clarence Eckerson Jr. on the podcast. I've been trying to get him on for some time now. And what better time than to celebrate the 1000th Street Films video. And uh, we're going to do it. We're going to release this. This is going to be on November 12th and the 100th podcast episode for Active Towns. Clarence Eckerson, Jr. Welcome, man. Yeah, thank let's, you, thank you. Let's get I think started. I
0: purposely delayed so we could have this group synergy. And also a banner going right across the screen here. That is just, wow. That's our 17 fans.
1: Absolutely. Seriously, though, it's so much fun to have you on the podcast here and to have this opportunity to share street films with an audience worldwide. I'm assuming most of my audience already knows about street films and knows about Clarence. But let's do this. Let's have you just do a really short introduction, who you are and how you got started with this.
0: Oh boy, that's a heavy lift. But we'll try to keep it short. My name is Clarence Eckerson. I am the director of Street Films. I'm currently up to about, I think, a 1,003 or 1,004 films. I, I don't know the exact count. But I got started making films back when I was in college. I bought my own video camera and found myself just kind of like walking around campus just shooting random stuff. It was all al fresco. Not transportation yet, but cool things I saw. And I also, when I was in college, I worked for a uh, news station called WTEN in Albany. And while I was there, I actually made a short film with my friend Rick Easton, who still works there, which is quite amazing. And that just kind of led, I moved to New York City. I started riding a bike within days. I bought a bike. I rode it home from Manhattan. It was one of the scariest things I ever did when Broadway was nothing but an ugly traffic sewer. And I started noticing things that I was like, okay, some of these things are horrible and we need to start capturing them. And that led to working on a cable access show with a couple of friends that we put together called Bike TV. And then from there, I started trying to do a lot more volunteering with Transportation Alternatives, which is the leading bicycle advocacy organizations and alternative transportation in the United States. And I did so much work for them that I decided that at one point I was their head of their Brooklyn Transportation Alternatives chapter. And I was just pretty good at this, but I think I should leave because there are other people that could do it better than me. And I could do something nobody else is doing, and that's video. And that all led to... Just doing more and more films on the Cable Access Show, eventually getting hired to do some freelance stuff and some films about traffic and transportation and parking and cars, trains and everything in that kind of green area that we all know and love. And suddenly, uh, I was hired by Mark Gorton from Open Plans, and that's where I've been with Street Films ever since. Open Plans is the umbrella organization. They also work with another number of other uh, entities, including Streets Blog.
1: Fantastic. That's a great overview. And I, I love that too, because it gives a little bit of the connection between uh, the streets blog and uh, the streets films. Now, some of that history is included in your reel that you put together, but maybe not overtly. I want to play a little bit of the reel and give us an opportunity to comment on it
0: live while it's happening. Yeah, this is, this is pretty funny. I just put this together because we were suggesting having some B roll of me in the older times or some of my favorite films or spots that i just popped up in because i'm not in every film not unlike what you see on youtube i'm probably in one out of every 10 dozen films and sometimes it's just for a few seconds so i said okay and it then became a project of its own and i thought there's probably a lot of people want to see it even though we're doing it for the active towns podcast so yeah, yeah this is gonna be fun let's hit play We really wanted to go out and document how bad the streets were, but also show people how good they could be. And right away, the films got people motivated and they used them as tools and they used them as rallying cries to say, let's make our city better. And that was just a little scene from when we did a wrap up of our 15 year anniversary. Okay. Yeah. And here's City Bike in New York debuting. And as you can hear behind me. We had done, at that point, and I think it still is, probably more films about bike share than anybody in history. This was 2014.
1: Yeah. And I think that you thought that maybe you had the record of the most number of bike shares ridden and and tested.
0: Prior to COVID, I know that I either was or very high up on the list of the person that had tested the most bike shares. Oh, here's my son. Yeah. I forgot about this. We were going to do a film with Transit Center. And Clarence was with me. I had to bring him in tow because I had to bring him to the shoot. Yeah. And here he is getting his, one of his first appearances, first real talking appearance on street films. Yeah, yeah. So you can hear right now.
1: What's great about the fact that, you know, CE3 is is frequently a, a co-star <laughs> in many of your films, partly just because he's so fascinated by transportation and especially transit and trains.
0: Yeah, He lo- he's a fanatic about trains. But he loves buses. He loves cars. He loves Mm -hmm. every aspect of transportation. And I never really pushed this on him. I don't know if he saw me interested in it. But this is what I I couldn't have helped design my own son be better if I really tried. (laughs) And now he's he's it's fascinating
1: stuff. He he probably just follows your lead. And he's like, "Look at all the fun stuff Dad's doing."
0: Yeah. Oh, here we are in Portland. Wow, this was probably ten or twelve years ago when I was a little more slender. This is when Portland. And Portland is still great, but when Portland would just wow you if you lived in the United States. Yeah. We also did a number of films, as you can see, uh, about COVID, about how this was the first one that I did that I was scared to attempt. Back then, we didn't know if you touched the surface, you could get COVID or anything. But I wanted to show at that point how not crowded our streets were. Yeah. Yeah. City, the best thing you can do is go out. Oh, this is Houston. Have you ever been to the bayous of Houston to ride? I haven't, no. It's funny. I remember I a lot of times I go to cities and I, I have a good idea of what there is going to be to see. But sometimes I just say the best thing you can do is just roam. And yeah. the best cities, you just find things. And that's when I found the bayous of Houston and then was busy the next few days asking everybody about them. Oh, Malmo.
1: Yeah. I was just going to pause uh, on Malmo there because I think it's one of those cities that... If I hadn't seen that particular video, I probably wouldn't have made the visit. I was in Copenhagen. Laura and I were there. And so we went out of our way to make sure that we visited. And in fact, we rode the train with our Brompton bikes and went to Lund, which was the next major city just north of, of Malmö. and. We thought, well, hey, let's do this. We know we can ride because there's wonderful infrastructure between that university town of Lund and, and ride downtown Malmö. It was just such a, a wonderful experience. And I get the sense that you probably hear that frequently is that people will tell you that I watched your film and, and that was inspiration to do XYZ, maybe travel to someplace. Talk a little bit about some of those inspiring feedback that you get from your audience.
0: I, yeah, that is one thing, especially the last five or six years. I have lots of people who tweet me, who, you know, message me, who email me and say, I went to such and such city because of what you showed there. Right. And let's be honest, most of these kind of things are European cities. Nobody goes to me and go, I, I went to Washington DC because I just had to see it because of the bike share system they don't do that in the united states but they do that with montreal it was just in montreal a lot of people went up there in just the weeks after my film to go up there and check it out and i know we're going to probably talk about this later but utrecht yeah when i did my film on utrecht that was the one film that by far the most people say we planned our vacation around going to utrecht because of your film or You know, we diverted from going somewhere because of that. And then almost universally when I get, you know, more feedback from them, they'll be like, your film is really great, but it's even better than you show. And you just have to go and experience it. And that's what, you know, that's what the films are jumping point for people who are in the business or want to know more about this or advocates to go and learn firsthand. And if they can't, They still have the street films and the films. I try to make them evergreen so that people will be able to use them for a long time. I still look back at some stuff I did 2006, 2008, and they're still pretty relevant. I try not to cut them with dates in mind, just show in the moment what the films are, uh, what I'm experiencing too. Yeah.
1: So I interrupted you when this scene
0: popped up. Set this up for us. We could probably start playing this, but this is one of the most famous things that we have done and even. Michael Colville Anderson mentioned in his book "Snackdowns." Oh, that's right. Uh, I started, yeah, I started. So, if you play, yeah. people will see what snackdowns are. They're essentially places where you know, after a snow, you can see where there are spaces that cars don't use. But you can see right here. Watch this. Watch that. Goes from that's the same exact corner. Okay, this car. Here comes another one. They don't use that, but they can get around. You can make traffic calming. And, right and. Make your street more civilized just by building out the the, the corners right. with neck downs or or protection. And what's actually really interesting about the street? This is the famous Thirty Fourth Avenue in my neighborhood. This is also the end, which has been now for twenty months an open street. And I'm sure we're going to talk about that a little bit later. But yeah, there's traffic rolling down it, and it doesn't anymore. Yeah, yeah. Did you coin the term neck down? Oh, I did not. I did not. Aaron Naperstack, who has founded Streetsblog, we were trying to come up with a, a number of people were going back and forth on Twitter about it, about what, what should we call these things? People were like, they need a better name. And I, I had called them snowy neckdowns. And he just said down," And everybody seemed to think that fit. Now, the funny thing is, you'll now get people will be like, Snackdown is one of the worst terms I've ever heard. It doesn't describe anything. Yeah, but before that, for years and years, I had been making films on these, and nobody was really – wasn't getting any traction, yeah. except among like kind of the most ardent transportation people. But the Snackdown went viral. There was probably at least 50 articles across the world. Right. BBC interviewed me, uh, just a number of people about – why snack down? And what's with a snack down? And it was extremely popular for two winters in a row.
1: Yeah, I sometimes even see in the fall. I, I look at the leaves and go, yeah, there's a leaf down.
0: <laughs> yes, that's something else that. And in um, I think in L. A. There was two people that would see like the palm tree yeah leaves come down. Yeah. They call them a, fr- a frond or a palm frond <laughs> neck down. So there were a couple of uh, takeoffs on that. Yeah, hopefully this winter it'll take off again. Yeah. Every year yeah. year, it yeah. seems to go in some cycles. Oh, look at this! This is wonderful transportation alternatives, and um, yep. at the head of the Queensboro Bridge. Do a look at all those people. This was probably five years ago. Okay, about five so years it can ago. You get a little cr- crowded over there sometimes. Oh, here I have New Orleans showing off in yet another bike share station video. And I told my wife, "This is that was probably where it was the heaviest." I've ever <laughs> <been>. <laughs> Uh, here's a meatpacking district, which now uh, has a lot of car-free streets in lower Manhattan and yeah. mi- mi- te- middle Manhattan, and um, and uh, they're doing some great stuff, so- sort of like Superblocks from Barcelona. Right. Further, we found city bike share parking protected. protected-
1: <laughs> yeah, the, the, this is the bike share bike protection.
0: <laughs> I like it. Yes, and there's Rotterdam, which that's yeah. an amazing city. It's so unique in all its modern skyscrapers. And then you got the small buildings right next to it. But the trams on grass are amazing. I love that.
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh And the great thing about Rotterdam, and frequent listeners of the podcast will uh, know that I've said this before, is I think it's one of the most applicable comparison cities for North America because of the fact that they had to completely rebuild after World War II. And so yeah. they built based on the car. And then decades later, they were just like, oops, we made a mistake. And then really started to work hard to transform their environment into a more Dutch-like environment.
0: I agree. I agree. Here we I mean, are I mean, up in Montreal. Oh, there. there's 2001 when I was there the first time to ride a bike. Yes. Yeah. The Tour de Lille. And this was, I think, 2013 or 2014. There's Chris Brunlett from now living in the the, the Netherlands himself yeah. he's in Delft in Delft now. Yeah. yes and there oh there's my wife exercising this is in uh Uruguay where I also rode a bike share there they had only eight stations but I rode that too
1: <laughs> <laughs> so when you look back at all of these you, you were putting together this reel and everything what were some of the emotions that that came out while you were doing that process
0: the enormity of how much time and effort i put into this and how tiring it is, but how much of a joy it also is and being very thankful and fortunate to be able to visit all these great cities. yeah, Um And to get paid an okay, good wage to do it. But it's more about I have a lot of creative control. Right. And it's about how I get to educate people and show them things, even as I discover new things that I didn't know they had. I'll never forget when I was in Rotterdam. We stopped at an intersection. And they said this light will leave the light green longer in rainy weather for bicyclists. Right. And I was yeah. like, "What?" <laughs> and cool then I was like, "We have like to stop." Yeah. Every the two people, I was, with, I was like, "We have to stop and do something about this because nobody knows about this except maybe people in the Netherlands." But looking back at it all, it's quite cool to have. I don't know how many people have a thousand films, uh, short films. It's yeah, probably not many. I know that Bicycle Dutch, who we all know and love, Mark Wagner, uh he's in the 800s. And okay. uh, next time I see him, I want to sit down with me and him, almost like we're doing, and just talk about all the films we've done. Yeah, so I yeah. want to do something similar.
1: I would love to get uh, Mark on the podcast as well. So hopefully he'll see this one and hopefully that'll inspire him to set up a camera and we can have that conversation because you're absolutely right. Of course, he does double duty because he's actually producing a very extensive blog post for yes. every single one of his. And sometimes his blog post has multiple shorter videos to them, but really fascinating stuff. Let's hit play. Uh, we, yeah. A we lot have of people
0: m- don't realize how hard a lot of this stuff is. This is what One of the first videos I did for Open Plans Street Films. You
1: look so um, young there.
0: I know. This is probably 2006 showing like how a yep. painted bike lane just doesn't cut it. Yeah. And then this is, again, another clip from our retrospective. This is what Ninth Avenue used to look like. Now it has a protected bike lane on it. Nice. So it's cool to look back and see all this. Here I again, I'm in Portland, but this is like the early 2000s and – Again, something I never knew was there, even though people, I came out there to hang out with people. I mean, look, I look so young. Oh, my gosh, please. But they have a floating walkway, which is the same situation we had along the West Side Highway. We wanted to do something similar. Yeah. And I was stopped immediately. And I'm like, we have to document this to talk about how it happened. Another bike, share. This one's from Ghent. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Another beautiful city to go to and one of my one of my most recent favorites in the last five years. So I was just showing people how to – oh, this should be really bizarre. So this is from Bike TV, the cable access show I had. Yeah. And what we used to do, we essentially – me and a few other people and I was mostly always oh, the video camera, the person editing and stuff. But this was a promo of 20 different things I had been in. And back then I was in the films a lot more. Right. And it was really telling New Yorkers – and anybody who were watching we had a few cities that also aired it for a while how to go out and have fun on a bike and yeah. things you could do and how you could get there but in a way this was a precursor to street films because bike tv i started bringing my camera on vacations there i am in san francisco you know here i am at acadia national park there's that's adams massachusetts so i started that process of seeing how that could kind of yeah, yeah, so much st- cool stuff to see. Yeah, and, yeah you know yeah. all these. None. I got paid nothing back then. I mean, that right. was five years of working a normal job, and then uh, I like to say that I used to put seventy percent effort into my films, whereas now I put closer to a hundred because it just didn't happen.
1: Well, it's funny about those that bike TV stuff, the earlier stuff. You you had mentioned that it was you were in the film a lot more and. It, It reminds me a little bit of that you were sort of like this activity ambassador, a biking ambassador. And it reminds me of our our other good friend, uh, Ryan Van Duzer, because his content is about trying to get people off their couches and go out and have fun adventures.
0: Ryan is just wonderful. I I love that guy. Um, He might be up to a thousand. I, I had never asked him, but he might be close to a thousand films. Yeah, yeah. That's, There's a that's few a people point. out there that have done a lot of really good stuff. And he does that crazy stuff where like he'll run a marathon and record it and talk to you the whole time. I've run three marathons in my life, and I'll I'll tell you right now, this guy ain't talking at all. I might have a little fun and slap a few hands, but – I can't re- I can't provide a running commentary. <laughs>
1: well, not to brag on him too much, but I am very proud of the stuff that he produces and but yeah, he will literally document him doing an adventure whether it's a a two-week bicycle adventure ride or a 100-mile race. He, he documented yeah. uh, the Leadville 100 when he was doing it. So- and he's very
0: creative, too. He has drone yeah. in places where he's allowed to fly a drone. He just really, you watch his stuff, and you know what? I've probably done a few duds over the years, but I just am like, every time you watch a Ryan Van Duzer film, you're kind of like, I'm going to be entertained. Something cool is going <laughs> to happen. I'll never forget there was one film there he, a spider was in his storage facility when he went to go get a bike. Yeah. that's one of my favorite ones. He was just like, reek, 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 ree, spider, and he turned, <laughs> he posterized the the film, and it was just very fun. Good stuff. A lot, a lot, you know, I think it's so funny. I do sometimes get people asking me, like, do you get jealous, or do you guys all have, like, all the people out there doing bike films? Is there a real healthy competition? I'm like, no. We all do so much different stuff. And it's yeah. also useful to different people and so yeah. I do different films than Ryan and Mark Wagner and, and even not just bikes they have totally different films and and the more of that we have out there the better
1: yeah I'll pause or interject at this point and say that I've been incredibly grateful to you and to Ryan over the years in terms of You've never hesitated to answer questions when I had stupid questions because I've been in disease prevention and health promotion for thirty plus years. Five six years ago, I decided I was going to be a content creator and and producer of of videos and film and now podcasts. And so, you guys have just been amazing in terms of your generosity of helping mentor me. So, thank you.
0: That's really nice, but obviously, I couldn't help you at all with the podcast because it's just it's a very different world, and I'm glad you've. Come to create your own kind of niche and creativity, the way you put together your stuff. Even just going through the preamble, the setup, the, right before we started recording, I'm just like, yeah, I'm glad I'm not doing this. This is just, I have, a lot of people are glad they're not doing what I'm doing. Yeah. It's not easy. It's it's not like you just flick on a switch and you start interviewing somebody.
1: Yeah. All right. We've got 43 more seconds on this one. So let's play.
0: Oh, and this is the, coming back the full circle to snack down. This is just basically another film showing that I'm sure the New York City DOT didn't go out there and measure the snow, but you can see these are spots where snackdowns would form during a snowstorm. And uh, here we are, you know, referencing again, there's the snackdown. A lot of it is real world kind of lessons for people. And this is, again, we were talking about the meatpacking district. This was looking back at the first iterations of what the New York City DOT and now the whole place is turned Every year, it becomes more of a pedestrian plaza or like a super blocks. Hey, that's the end.
1: That's and that's the end. Yeah, it's (laughs) pretty amazing. And when you look back and you do that retrospective and appreciate how many places that you've been and what would you say, looking back in history, what was the film that really changed everything?
0: I would say it was probably pretty early on. It was the Bogota Ciclavia film. That film, which we uh, we visited in September of 2007, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I say we because Aaron Apperstack from Streets Blog went down, a couple people from Transportation Alternatives, Ethan Kent from Project for Public Spaces, right. Carla Quintero, who was our uh, great help with translating and interviewing people. She did a great job. That series of films really put us on the map and also got people trying to see, yeah, there is a different way to, that things can be. Yeah. And at, I'll be honest, in 2007, there were a number of places in the United States that were trying to do the ciclovia, which is closing the streets on Sunday for 10, 20. I think down there, it was closer to 80 miles, but I can't be sure about that number, but 80 yeah. miles or 80 kilometers at that time. And this just so much fun. I was totally blown away. I'm like, here I am going to Bogota, Colombia. And I'm like thinking, okay, different country, hadn't been around too much outside the United States at all. And wow, they accomplished this. And that led to cities like San Francisco and Portland and New York City. The year after we did this film, all of them had movements to do this. And one great story I I can always uh, tell people about is in San Francisco when uh, Gavin Newsom, who's now the governor of California, but when he was mayor, they would have monthly meetings and ciclovia's always came up and they said, can we do Ciclovia?" And they'd get really close to saying yes. And then it would never happen. And they'd be like, let's postpone to the next time. Let's look at it next time. And then they said at the beginning of one meeting, I think it was the San Francisco Bike Coalition got together. Let's instead of using our time to describe once again, they showed this Ciclovia film and he was just like, let's do it. Back then, video wasn't as big a tool for advocates and transportation people. You'd always use a lot of photos and things. And so this really helped push the open streets, Ciclavia movement into the forefront. And this film was probably the most important thing we did. I I have films that I would consider a lot better now and more professional and better done. And I learned so many things from making this film. But this was probably the most important at that time to have happen
1: that's great stuff so with that in mind then we take a look back to the most popular
0: most video. popular and favorite so videos of all
1: time the, the most number one film
0: video. utrecht is over one million plays now it's utrecht and everybody talks about utrecht it seems like 50 percent of all the people that i run into that love street films will bring up utrecht and it's a wonderful place i encourage everybody to go there if they can you can't watch the film, you'll learn a lot. They have one of the the world's busiest bike intersection there. I think everybody always says it. it's right there coming up in that video right there. I did actually a separate short on it because one of the things I try to always think about while I'm out there, I it's only me on these shoots. It's, I rely heavily on the generosity of people to set interviews up for me or say, oh, you should talk to this person. So when I was out there, I just was like, Hey, there's a mall above the world's busiest bike intersection. I bet you I could find a window somewhere to shoot above it. And then I found a restaurant and ordered a hamburger or something. And I don't even think I ate half the hamburger. I was just shooting out the window the whole time. And that film alone, somebody tweeted just one clip of the intersection. And I think over a million people just watched that here. It's the busiest intersection right here. You'll probably see a little bit of the footage of Rendenberg. It has just nothing. It's only buses, transit, and bikes and pedestrians. And this is that street, and it's just really cool to experience it. Yeah, yeah Utrecht, number one favorite good quality film that I've ever done. And Bogota, number two. Yeah, I have really fond memories. I've met so many nice people. There's the overhead shot of the from the restaurant. I have a few shots in this about that, but... Everybody's been so great. It's just me filming, editing, producing, writing, setting it up, everything it's me. But there's no way I could pull it off without all the different people I meet and how much they do for me and sometimes even let me crash at their place.
1: Yeah. I hear you. And you and I have had the opportunity to to be in the same place at the same time a a couple of different times. One of them, in fact, is when we both showed up. Gosh, it must have been. Was it 2018?
0: I think it was. That sounds about right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. 2018. And this is what it
0: looked like here. So there, there you go. There I am. <laughs> you were the first shot. I think that's so funny. But yeah, my main mission on this trip was go to Barcelona to see the super blocks. And to this day, nobody's done a really good job of documenting it except street films. And that's why that film's so popular. But I decided, I was like, okay, well, while I'm there, I should pick up another city. And then I went to London to do film on bike super highways. But this is who we both came to see. And we right, both Monroe. happened to see, we both happened to be there at the same time, which was just too... Ironic, and I don't know, I, I realized you were coming, and I was like, hey, John, <laughs> this is crazy. Here's like how they built their yeah. network so fast.
1: Basically, it got built out in 18 months, and they went from the- a, a very small percentage of people writing, and then they were able to get it up around 10% Mochair, which is just phenomenal when you think of a, of a place that can have that big of an impact.
0: Yeah, and it's funny because... I make these films and of course they don't exist in a vacuum. Every once in a while I'll watch an old film or have to be reviewing stuff. Maybe somebody's looking for some footage to use and I'm giving them permission or I just get melancholy about wanting to look back over things and, or, or sometimes even when I sometimes an, au- something will autoplay on my YouTube. <laughs> It'll be one of my films. <laughs> so, uh, you wonder what's going on with these places. Like to me a lot of the bike lanes were already pretty crowded. So did they widen those? And I can't be everywhere, and, and we don't have a lot of people out there doing this kind of thing. So I, it always makes me wonder. You come yeah. back from a place, and you're like, oh, good. How well is it going?
1: More more eyes on the street, for sure. Now, you mentioned that the main reason why you went to Spain was the superblocks. Explain what a super block is.
0: I wish I had one of the experts to do it even better than I could, but my film does a good job of talking about it. It's essentially... Designating a small grid, two blocks by two blocks, three blocks by three blocks and keeping out through traffic so that you can redesign the streets and see, you can see here, right here, that they, this is an intersection that used to just have cars running through it. And now they have a play space for kids. It's so cool. The, the track. I love that. The track that people, anytime I was, I, I stayed in a hotel really near here and I was only there for about 36 hours. And then I flew to Sevilla and. It's just amazing to watch how happy people are and outside enjoying this. And this is finally what we're getting here in my neighborhood in Queens. We have a, we have an open street and demonstrating that once you remove the traffic, there's space for deliveries to come through, emergency vehicles, even people who live there are are in a garage. But you design it so you don't have streets where cars are just barreling through. When you see a car, people are either there because they live there, they're making a delivery, or they're visiting somebody. And that's really about it. So that's the goal in some of these neighborhoods in Barcelona. I encourage people to go there, too. I know that they've expanded the program greatly since I was there. So uh, that'd be yeah. another place I'd love to go back to. And actually, I'd love to take my family, so it'd be a good way to explore it again.
1: Yeah, it's a good point.
0: Oh, boy. What do I'm we got pausing,
1: here? I'm pausing on this one. I propose that we just play this because it's hilarious. Just play it and sit back and not say anything.
0: How about Halfway? Okay. People will get the idea. But this is Kate McKinnon from Saturday Night Live fame. I've had the pleasure of working with a few famous people when they were not so famous. But this is one of our most loved films and the favoriteest film I've ever had making because she's so damn talented and she's so funny. And you just throw a phrase or an idea and she just ran with it. Veronica, pull it together, pull it together! We're standing just around the corner from the newly improved Times Square. I am horrified by the events that have uh, transpired, and I'm about to see their disastrous effects. Oh, my God! (laughs) Oh, this is disgusting! (laughs) Oh, my God! (sighs) This is the crossroads of the world. Where are the roads? I've turned it into a playground. This is not Italy. This is not a piazza. Look at all this space. Look at all this wasted space. They could put an office building here. They could put a car dealership here. A parking lot. I mean, thing. she's incredible. But this is from two. This is from I think 2010. It's at yeah. least 10 or 11 years old. So, my question for you
1: on this, because <laughs> part of what makes this so funny for me is that this, combined with the one when she was in the Navigator,
0: was yes, it a Navigator Lincoln or nav. Escalator? or Lincoln Nav? Get in. This is my Nav, my Lincoln Navigator so i go down to washington and i just am there saying hold up what about cars what about the yeah, cars
1: yeah. It's, that's just one of the those things that is just so incredibly entertaining and fun uh, about the work that you have done and you know it, it, it's and it's so cool like you said you, when you have that opportunity to be able to get some of these people who have an audience that's out there. And of course, her audience has completely blown up now since joining Saturday Night Live and then doing movies and all of that. So it, it helps, I think, normalize in a weird sort of way in the sense that it, it broadcasts out to a more general population versus just inside our insular urbanism yeah. transportation bubble.
0: Yeah. yeah. Laura Bliss even wrote a, a an article on how this even happened it's available i think it's on bloomberg now i used yeah. to be city lab but she did a great article interview with me and and even jeanette sadakan who was the commissioner at the time said that was a really fun great thing because at that point there were still so many naysayers there were people like breathing down bloomberg's back saying let's rip this all up it's not like it had been in only a year or so but there's the constant fight of trying to get these really wonderful places for people and to remove some of the cars it's the kind of thing that eventually we will get through this and it was one film that i made i was like i can help defend what new york city dot did here and the administration and i know that people are loving this and sure it might be creating a little extra traffic but people are going to get used to it and we all know that eventually it all becomes more normal yeah yeah
1: and speaking of the difficulty and, and being able to do this, you labeled this the miracle on 34th Avenue. This is really close yeah. to your home, right?
0: Yeah, I could walk a couple hundred feet and I'm on 34th Avenue. And what happened was due to COVID back in March of 2020, the city, after a lot of pressure from organizations, decided all right, we're going to give some open streets. We're going to try to create some space for people to get some exercise and also to space out and to really try to make our city have some place where people can go because of this terrible pandemic. And it ended up being just so wonderful. The volunteers and the people in the community, are the ones that made this happen, and right. the politicians like you saw, Danny Drum, Jessica Ramos is our, one of our state senators. She's great. Just all these volunteers, I just talked to them, and this is what happened to our open street. Now, 20 months later, we still have it, and it runs 26 blocks, 1.3 miles in length. All these great volunteers, all these people, and you go out there, and you just see people really enjoying the street. They're right. walking around, they're biking, they're sitting, they meet up with their dogs. We now have tables and chairs on a few blocks. We have planters, and the city has committed to making it permanent. And now they're presenting what are the next design options because it still could be improved a lot and made better. But it's one of the most wonderful things. And to have a son who, you know, learned to ride his bike there and learned to ride a scooter. And so many people in the neighborhood, just they love it so much. They really do. And it's the nicest thing ever. If, If you're having a blue day or even a day where the weather's not so good, you can still go out and, you know, walk a loop real quickly. And this was one of the easiest films to make because I didn't have to travel anywhere to make it. If I was bored, I was like, I'm going to go get a few more shots of one of the kids' rock garden. There was a rock garden. That was Danny Drom, who's our city council person, who was really instrumental in getting this happen. There he is again. And this film is great. And I love it. And I know it's helped keep the momentum to keep this street an open street. Yeah,
1: it really brings us back to appreciating just how powerful this video medium really is. You mentioned it right there. You mentioned that, you know, it helped keep that momentum moving forward. We mentioned it earlier too in terms of influencing people to explore places, maybe helping them with lifestyle change and behavior change, things of that nature your films in particular, just like Mark's films, will frequently be used as educational material and inspiring basically community members taking the video and showing it to a politician or a staff member and saying, see, why can't we do this?
0: Yeah, it's yeah. funny because I always wonder, you get feedback from people saying, oh, we shared your film at a community meeting. I used it in a presentation or whatever. But I just wonder like how many there, there must be – we only must hear one out of every ten situations right. where that happens, if, if that. And then sometimes I find people who illegally use my film in another film or something on YouTube. What are you going to do? I, I don't do that, but people do that all the time. And, yeah. and if it's helping them get better stuff in their neighborhood, better biking, better walking, better – good for that. Good for that.
1: Yeah. When you look back now on all these years, and especially – Looking forward, what are some of the things that you're you're most appreciative of?
0: When I started, before I really started getting into the video, I was an advocate, and I was holding a press conference, and I was trying to get people more involved. And it goes back to, like, me, my films are not only educating and getting people excited, but honoring the people that are out there doing the work, because without them, what would we have? Here in New York, we have so many motivated groups of people that are doing great work to advocate, to push for things, things that I wouldn't even think of and to make it happen. Sometimes it takes years to do these things. That's what I'm most appreciative, that we do have a huge number thousands of people in New York City. They're doing their own thing. They're doing their own thing in their own neighborhood. They're very involved. Every day, the number of people that want this kind of thing grows. Yeah, I'd say that's what I'm most appreciative of.
1: We have time for one more video. Your choice. Okay. My choice? Your choice. Oh, boy. Let's, if it happens to be on th- that top 10 uh, list uh, from the article, I can cue that up really easily.
0: But Why don't we say the Oslo film?
1: So I'll pull it uh, up. You, you go ahead and start the intro to it.
0: Yeah, I think that this was, I think, my last in my top 10. And Oslo decided, I think it was in 2016 or 2017, they decided they were going to have their entire downtown completely car free, pretty much. And so I was like, wow, after about a year and a half, two years, I was like, somebody needs to go and see if they've been successful. And I think ultimately, they've been pretty successful. I don't think they maybe haven't even teased half of that goal. I'm not sure I haven't, you know, heard much since there is 2015, they declared that. But um, what I really love about this city is it's so beautiful. It's just so beautiful. And I felt like while I was there, it was one of the few times where I felt like I was making a really good film, artistic film.
1: Yeah, that, I was going to say, let me interject real quick and say exactly that, is what what viewers are going to notice right away is that you did a little bit more artistic coloring and things of that nature. Talk a little bit about
0: that. Each film I make, I, I, I don't really go in with a preset pet i'll try to interview important people like i just was in montreal and really wanted to interview the mayor there and somehow it gets around that they they say they don't have any time for me but Mm -hmm. then the last day or two or the last few hours of there somebody suddenly will be like the mayor will be in the film and that's that's what's happened so that was the mayor of oslo
1: going to ask you that too, because it, it seems like you just have really good luck of getting interviews. Talk a little bit about that because man, you have the golden touch in terms of making sure that you get just amazing interviews.
0: Again, this it's almost like it's many factors. It's really like being in the right place at the right time. But if you interview somebody like from the bike program in a city or somebody at a transit agency, which is what happened here in Oslo, eventually they will go back afterwards and they might watch a street film. And they're like, oh, this film is going to be money. Like this is the gentleman I interviewed from route there. They do the transit there. Eventually, I'll be like, I, I might even ask, I've been trying to get the mayor. Is there any chance you have any pull or anything and or somebody important? And a lot of times that's what does it. It's just my track record, being in the right place at the right time, interviewing a few lower level people at first that are just like, this guy's interesting, or I or they know of my work before, and they're just like, I've got to do all I can do to convince such and such to talk to him. And sometimes that works out for the worst, too, because I'll be like, okay, I've interviewed 10 people in three days, and I still have to do all the B-roll and everything else, right? and make sure I come away with all the footage I need, because I can't fly back here to pick up shots of people getting on a bus, or whatever right. it is I'm looking for. And sometimes I've had oh, you need to talk to so-and-so or this person created this or they did this bike program or this woman has a walking school bus to school. And it's suddenly you're like, at some point, you're like, I have to stop. I can't put 40 people in my film. But it really is. That's what it is. It's a lot of being fortunate, having a a lot of help, a lot of connections and being there at the right place at the right time.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's good stuff. I, I absolutely adore your, your work and I've just been so inspired by the fact that so many cities and so many people around the world have discovered them and are using them for inspiration, but also for paving the way to a future where hopefully more people are able to walk and bike and have more access to public spaces and plazas and open streets. It just The list just goes on and on.
0: Yeah, even here in the United States, that's the way we're going. It's taking longer here. But one day, our biggest cities and and some of our moderately sized cities will look a little bit more like Europe and the best cities there. But I want to tell you that uh, I'm very happy to be the hundredth uh, guest that you've had on this series and wish you a lot of luck. And like I said, I understand this is it's not it's it's labors of love. All of us are doing labors of love to some degree, even if we're being paid a little bit. A lot of people say to me, like, how do you do all this stuff about transportation? I'm like, I make enough money. It's my hobby. It's right. my exercise half the time. That's why I can do all this. It's... Otherwise, yeah. if I didn't have that kind of weird hybrid lifestyle, there wouldn't be any street films.
1: Yeah. And nope. you have to have that life balance, like you said, too. and And the fact that you're a parent now and that integrating all of that into your life is so incredibly important because it doesn't serve anybody if you burn out.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it is tiring. I'll be 55 next year. I said when I hit 50 that I probably was only had a few years left. I still feel that way. And yeah. then there's other people like, no, you must do another thousand. And I'm like, if I get another 50, I'll be happy. I'm 50 to a hundred, but I don't think I'll get that far.
1: Close us out yeah. with that because you told me about three years ago when you hit a thousand, you, that was it. You are going to do something new.
0: You know what? It strangely happened was COVID. I had all these plans. To go to Montreal, which I finally got to. Paris, all these other places are doing all this great stuff. And I was like 2020 will probably be the final year of street films. And that would have brought me to 1,000 films at some point. Mm -hmm. And COVID happened and I couldn't travel anymore. And I started doing thank goodness like 34th Avenue Open Street happened. There were stories to cover here. But it put me back and I felt like I got robbed. And I said, okay, you know what? My life has changed. The world has changed for a lot of people, sadly, and I'm just going to wait. I'm going to do some more films and uh, see what happens. And I don't think I'd ever stop fully doing films, but instead of you know, doing 20, 30 films a year, I, whatever I'd end up doing, it'd probably be like just a few a year and just really specialized films that I want to do. So we'll see if next year is the last year. I also plan to write a book, which I have you know, a general outline of what I want to put down, but. Maybe the book will be in 2022. We'll see, or maybe we're actually finally get started this winter.
1: Yes, exactly. Well, I'm going to put our scroll back up because uh, the
0: yes, abso- that was absolutely. A great idea. And
1: again, we've got to have our applause in there.
0: <laughs> I got to remember. See, you can do things I can't do because you you got a yeah. podcast. I can, oh yeah, you can just pop up a scroll celebrating I, I, 100. Active Towns podcast.
1: Celebrating 100 and 1,000 at the same time. Hey, Clarence Eckerson Jr., thank you so very much for your support, your friendship, your mentorship, and congratulations on 1,000 plus
0: Street Films. 1,000 plus, yes, thank you. All right, take care. Now I got to go pick up the boy. That's right. (laughs)
1: Thank you all so much for tuning in to episode number 100 of the Active Towns podcast. I sincerely hope you enjoyed this little walk down memory lane and are inspired to do what you can to help make your community safer and more inviting for all ages and abilities. Please be sure to check out the featured videos from this episode. You can access those links in the show notes and, more importantly, on the landing page for this episode at activetowns.org. That's all she wrote, folks. Episode number 100 is done and dusted. I'll be off for the next two weeks to take a little breather and work on a couple video projects. But I'll be right back with you for episode number 101 on Friday, December 3rd. Until then, please consider making a donation to Active Towns, spreading the word, and subscribing. Thank you also very much for your support and for tuning in. Until next time, this is John signing off by wishing you much activity, health, and happiness. Cheers. Yeah.